Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away. I am Drew Vanderplug, and guess who's back? It's Cody Welton. He has joined us from across the seas. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm only slightly jet lagged, but I'm, I'm mostly okay. Yeah, we were going to try and do this yesterday, but Cody literally flew in. What you got in at like 11 in the morning yesterday? Yeah, I got, and you know, it was basically 20 straight hours of traveling when you factor in. You know, coming through customs and the flights and everything, and uh, yeah. yeah, I could, I could not even by the by the end of the day, I couldn't even, you know, like my eyes wouldn't function. I couldn't, couldn't focus. <laughs> on. I was so tired because I only slept like five hours on the on on the flight uh, overseas. Um, it's really hard to sleep on a plane, even if you've got fancy seats. Yeah, like, it, there it's. Just and I really wasn't in fancy seats either. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> no, like even the people that get those really fancy seats, you can't sleep that much on yeah. them. So. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. So well, I, didn't, are... I didn't want to sleep either because I wanted to go ahead and stay up so that I could, you know, sleep a full night and kind of get myself back on track. So I feel I feel OK today. I feel semi-human at least. All right. Well, we so we are recording this a day late. It is Thursday this week, but um, wanted to make sure that we got Cody back on the podcast after um, having to miss out last week. Um, so, yeah, you know what do we have to talk about um the performance against vancouver this weekend um i don't know what i don't know what the right adjective is for it um man was <laughs> meh yeah that's probably the way to describe I, it wasn't like bad it wasn't poor i'm not like super upset about anything it was just like eh, the, yeah. there's not a whole lot to get excited about either yeah and i think that's that's kind of the you know been the case for a lot of matches i guess it's better than the couple that were kind of upsetting where major mistakes were occurring i didn't really see that um the goal the goal that uh, vancouver scored was kind of a you know mix up just who's doing what kind of situation it falls off of Cavallini. I mean, Zussi does let Raposo behind him. Uh, Zussi makes, uh, you know, doesn't mm -hmm. do a very good job of tracking Raposo, which causes EC to be defending two people, which is part of the problem there. But it's honestly the way that the ball falls off of EC right to Raposo when he's even when he's offside, but because it comes off of EC, it's he's not offside. It was just unlucky. It really was. Um, so I'm, I'm not. Uh, I think. I think one of the good things to take away is that uh, the team didn't give up multiple goals, um, right? Which they is didn't been, give up chances. Which like, has been a problem. That, yeah, that was the biggest chance of the match, and it was a like a point two five xg or something like that. Well, that so, some of that has to do with Vancouver, who's not that great at creating chances. So we got to keep that into consideration too. Right, but I think that the game plan was. That was correct. Yeah, um, I agree. Vancouver had not had more than like 34% possession in a match all season. And they had close to 50 in this one. Like, mm -hmm. so, so Peter did trot back out that sort of mid block, let him have the ball that he did in the playoffs. It worked really well. The problem is, is that Sartini was aware of the fact that Vermes would potentially do that. And they were prepared for the counterattacking threat that comes from it. The other problem is, is that the the creativity in the midfield and on at the fullback positions isn't really there to create overloads. Yep. Um, I thought Ben Sweat had a, you know, below average game. Um, he, you know, there were a couple circumstances late in the match where I started to see him get 
you know, to a point where he could deliver a ball and Raj almost, almost scores on a, it was a hard volley, but th- that happened a couple times where Raj was the one getting on the end of the, of the dangerous ball. And we've talked about this before. We all love Raj, but if he's the one that's taking all the chances, that's probably not a, you know, winning strategy. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, for all the things he's good at being a lethal finisher is not one of them. Yep. And, um, you know, he got on the end of a header on the near post to redirect. There was just a couple things like it, it. He was the one that was getting in those positions a few times. And like I said, I'm glad he's making the runs and getting to those places, but that's just not necessarily his, um, you know, his ideal skill set to be trying to, 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 to finish those. But there, there was good, a couple of good deliveries from sweat, man. I thought in the first half, he was kind of poor. He looked, he looked dead legged to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and was not tracking back when he, he, if he got caught high, he was just sort of doing the, the, um, the lineman shuffle, as we like to call it back to the, yeah. back to the, uh, back to his position. And it was just sort of, you know, whoever was there was, was having to mop up now. On the good side of things, Uri Rossell defensive positioning was very solid. He he was getting into those positions and mopping up really well. It was good to see him back on the field because Voltaire is a much better um, right sided eight than Roger is these days. So it is it was good to see Uri on the field, but he was only good for a half. Um, I almost wish that we had seen him in the second half instead of the first, based on how things went. Yeah, I didn't. Um... You know, I uh, I didn't watch the the entire replay. I was only able to watch uh, a portion of it, and you know, part of the reason is because they don't um, on on Sporting Kansas City's you know w- website or or app. There's no uh, option that I've found to download games. So uh, I would have loved yeah. to have been able to, to to watch the game like on the flight. But uh, but you know, the, from what I did see, I mean, um, yeah, uh, Sweat was um, you know at, at he was he was at a loss, uh, as you said, um, um, defensively a couple times. But the real thing is that you know if he's not adding a value uh, in the attack, um, it's not you know it, it you know it kind of makes you wonder why he's the one that's playing uh, and not uh, in Denver in Denver. I th- I took that more as just in Denver didn't get to Kansas City until Wednesday because yeah. he was in because he was in Europe for the yeah. Bel- so Belgium U21s qualified for the 2023 U21 Euros um so he was at that qualifying campaign and I don't be- believe arrived in Kansas City until Wednesday after you know transcontinental flight as you know that can you're pretty worn out afterward um so yeah I can um understand that he you know in Den Bay wasn't you know, break class in case of emergency kind of situation. Yeah. Um, the thing that I noticed the most about how the team was playing, and this is with Uri at the six or Remy at the six, is that we're still seeing um, buildups that don't include the six. Yeah. Um, you know, historically, especially with Elie and definitely with Busio, you know, you were using the six as a fulcrum. You know, it was the pair of center backs and the six were where you were building from. It's not happening anymore. Um, I thought that the reason they were doing that before was because Remy was playing at the six and he's not the most, he's not a line splitter. He's not going to hit, you know, that, you know, 15 to 20 yard on the decker to, you know, catch someone in space and and release an attack. That's just not necessarily his, his skill set either. So you're using then the fullbacks and the, and the, the midfielders on either side 
to combine. That's, I understand it with Remy, but with Uri, I was kind of thinking they might go back to a more traditional setup and they did not. And in fact, what I saw a lot of was Sweat was playing fullback a lot like Zussi has been this year, where he was dropping back into that line of three for build out when Zussi was high. And if Zussi would come back, then he would rotate high as opposed to what we had seen previously when Raj and Zussi were in there is Raj and Zussi would rotate those spots, right? If Zussi would go high, Roger would drop back into that line of three for buildup. Um, that was not happening in this game. It was, it was very much either fullback and I saw sweat back there a lot, which, okay. I mean, that's fine. But now we've basically replicated Zussi on the other side of the field. Yeah. Um, so you've got two, you know, not that athletic or not that fast or, you know, sort of dynamic yeah. from a, you know, technical perspective players that are just sort of third center backs in buildup. So, so, you know, one, yeah, I don't know. One, one way that that can work is if, um, is if you, you know, if you, if you pinch those fullbacks in, and you basically, you know, create that that layer of three ahead of the the center backs with the fullbacks and um, and Roselle. You know, like theoretically, that frees up you know the the eights to be more dynamic in uh, in attack. But um, I don't know that that was actually what was happening. Well, the problem is, is that I don't believe that Zusi and Remy are um, complementary. Yeah. Right. Right now, I, there, I, there's not much complimentary. Um, uh, there aren't many complimentary players um, or, or relationships yeah. on the field. I mean, yeah. they, they, they seem pretty just jointed everywhere, honestly, which yeah. is you know, the problem. That, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for yeah, that. Right? Absolutely. There, there are, you know, reasonable, you know, um, you know, Items we can point to as to why that would be occurring. Yeah. We're, you know, six lot, matches of, into the season yep. and there's new, been new so season, a lot of new players, a lot of yeah. you know, already injury problems, lots of yeah. things going on. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's not unreasonable to say, okay, let's give these guys some time to figure these relationships out. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be some difficulty in the meantime. I, I listened a little bit um, today to an interview that Daniel Shallowy actually did with the Blue Testament guys. Mm -hmm. And he was, they were able to get him at, at Pinnacle yesterday and then posted that interview up. And I think it's worth a listen, especially the first part of it where he talks about, it's like, look, if any, any team, regardless of MLS, where the salary structures are already sort of built on your top three players, any team in any league loses their, their marquee number 10 and their, and their marquee number nine. And whether you call Gotti a 10 or not, that's right. what Shally was calling him. Yeah. Um, when you miss both of those, when you have both of those guys out, you're going to struggle. Yep. You're going to struggle to create chances. Things are going to look a little uh, bit Unless you're Seattle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, or last night, man, did, I don't know if you watched Seattle. You probably didn't watch no, any of that I Seattle didn't. game. You were probably dead asleep. I was. Holy crap. I was. Holy crap. Did they look good last night? Yeah. I, I mean, Rui Diaz and Lodero were both back on the field, yeah. so, which had a lot to do with it, but. And you could tell that they're not match fit yet. They're they're still kind of playing, and they didn't they weren't crisp. But still, man, holy crap! Yeah, I, I know that a lot of people are sick of hearing about Seattle amongst the sporting Kansas City sort of you know sphere because anytime you turn on extra time or any of those things, that's all you hear about is Seattle Sounders. Yeah. There's a reason why those guys bring them up all the time. 
And if as a neutral, if you weren't watching that going, wow, I mean, it, it was literally every concept of play that you would want sporting to be doing yep. was out there. Um, and so it was, I, yeah. Um, I, I do, I will say this, and this is some, this is something you've been banging on about for a while. While Seattle was missing Rui Diaz and Lodero and so, some, sometimes both of them at the same time, they always had Joao Paulo. And as, as much as you said, sporting needs to go get a DP number six. That guy is amazing. So good. So good, man. And it's like, and it's not like they spent a ton of money for him. Yeah. And they structured his contract in a way that it was an option year after two years so that they got his freaking um, his transfer fee prorated over two years. So he's only a DP for two years and now he's a TAM player. And so they're able to do this Albert Rusnak deal and they're able to do this other stuff. And as much as I could, as much as I would like to say, you know, you know, sporting has always been really smart about how they build their lineups and they have been Seattle's at a different level. Yeah. They just are. And I, that's, again, I, I know a lot of folks don't want to hear about them, but if you compare those two situations and I, I remember someone, some, some Twitter thread this week or this past week was about, you know, this is, or maybe I was the cauldron Facebook and I shouldn't have been looking at that, <laughs> but it was, it was something along the lines of, Hey, you know, sporting Kansas city is a mid market. They're a mid market club. We have to understand their mid market club. They're not going to spend crazy for players, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, first of all, they spent like, I think it was Sperry was talking about this. Um, they spent $5 million on players and transfer fees this year. Yeah. Secondly, they have a $10 million striker mm-hmm. and they spent like four and a half million to get Gatti Kinda. Yeah. This is not a team that's not spending money on yep. players. Yep. And additionally, when you compare their spend to, to Seattle over the last four years, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I got you. I, I get where you're coming from a little bit on that, but I think that there are ways to use this, you know, median level, sort of like top 10 level spending that sporting is already doing and be very successful with it. And um, yeah, you're right. You know, they did. Seattle did survive, but I think part of it is because their rosters built so well. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, that, you know, one of the things that Seattle can do is they can just go, you know, they can go get good players and then, you know, tweak the system to fit those players. Whereas, you know, the the way that um, the way that Sporting Kansas City builds their team, um, you have to find the right players to fit in the system. Right. And so yeah. um, it makes it, it just it just makes it a little, I think, a little bit more difficult, uh, especially I mean, at those, especially at the the two positions, like those, the 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 six and the nine in this system are like the two, like really most important positions, um, um, and the that is that's where um, that right now the team is the weakest, and I think that it, that it that it's showing. It's showing, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if Joao Paulo was in, was at Sporting how? Yeah, I mean, he would immediately change how the team looks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's incredible, and it, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it it just it, it also kind of like uh, you know makes you wonder about you know the choice to uh, bring back Roselle, who you know I, I mean he's 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 not a terrible player, right? But you know he's not 
Um, he's also not a dynamic presence um, in any phase of the game. And, and yeah, his can, his defensive his defensive work was really good. Right in the half that he played, I was very happy with his positioning. He was getting into tackles. He was doing some of the stuff that we don't normally see from the position, and he was extremely responsible. Yeah, but he was a, an almost zero in possession. Yeah. And that's, you know, in this system, you, that's only half, right. And 50%, yeah. you know, that's an F. <laughs> well, and, and it comes back to something that, that, you know, we really need to discuss, which is the chance creation issues that the team has. So it's been six matches now. So at least we have yeah. a decent data set when we take about, we talk about XG sporting has cleared 1.0 XG one time in yeah. six matches. That's a problem. It's a big problem. I, especially for a team that needs to aggregate chances to mm-hmm. score. That mm-hmm. is, they are a volume team. That's how they, that's how they create goals. They are not a beat you on the counter team. They're not a hair, like find a situation where I can release someone one V one and we get this super high quality chance. And I yeah. only need three of those chances to get a goal. And then I'm going to sit back the rest of the time. That's yep. not how they play. The whole concept of play is creating is aggregating a number of chances that are generally good. They're dangerous, but they're not, you know, um, 50 fifties for goals, but they're good chances. There were a couple in the second half. Shall we got a shot from the top of the box? Um, I think uh, there was another one. Shawnee's got one from the top of the box as well. Those were good, but they didn't have enough of them. They just didn't have, they're not creating enough of those. And as a result, they're not scoring. Well, and that's and, a that's a that's a big change from past years too, because even right. or even early in season, in in the past couple of seasons, they've been able to to generate you know lots of chances, and 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 to to the point where the the concern and the complaint was that they didn't have anybody to finish those chances, which is why you go out and buy you know right. uh, Polito, and so so now you know now they're not creating any of those chances or hardly any of them, and it's a. Uh, it's I, I'm not like when you when you look at when you look at the uh, at the at the roster and you look at you know the game day uh, setup and you just have to think to yourself like how you know how um, how is the team expected to score like how is this team going to generate chances and given the the players that are available and the form that they're in it's hard to see you know how the team can consistently generate uh, quality chances. Yeah, I think that you see, I mean, I'm going to go back to the same thing I was saying earlier that that Shallowy was talking about. You're missing two, your your two top, your two best players are gone. We can quibble about whether or not Johnny Russell is better than Gadikinda. He hasn't been this year. I mean, he hasn't. I mean, and Johnny started really slow last year and then came on really hard late. And whereas Shallowy was really hot. And part of Shallowy being really hot at the beginning of, of, of last season was that left side of triangle with him and Kinda mm-hmm. and Martins. Yep. Right. So that, that was where a lot of that creation came and from. Two thirds of that triangle isn't here. Exactly. And, yeah. and Martins say whatever you want about his defensive responsibilities. And I, you know, I've said plenty, he was really good at those rondos. Yep. Get in that triangle and rondo by people and his one touch release stuff and getting people mm-hmm. into space was actually pretty good. And he was, they had a very good partnership on that left side, yeah. which allowed Shallowy to get, and he was finishing like Lewandowski, like he was finishing so well. Um, he needs to get his finishing boots back a little bit for sure. But I think we also all expected him to 
regressed to the mean a little bit on some of that. He outperformed his XG pretty heavily last year. So we all sort of thought, hey, 16 goals probably isn't a realistic ask for him um, in this season. And that appears to be true. I think I still think he's a double digit goal scorer. He's probably going to get four to seven assists. And that's fantastic from your starting left winger in MLS. I'll, I'll take that every day. The problem is that's less than last year. Yeah. And a similar situation for Johnny. If Johnny's not putting 16 in and he puts in 10 or 12, that's less than last year. And then you're already trying to compensate for Alan Polito and his, what was it, eight goals in all comps or eight goals in MLS. Um, yeah. And Gotti Kinda is not available. And it sounds like maybe he isn't going to be available for a while. The The reports are he's finally one-on-one training. But Vermees' comment was... Um, He's basically in off-season form still. He's not even in preseason form. So it's going to be months before we see him on the field. And um, and, and, that's a guy that had five and six in 2,000 minutes last year. So it's just like, where's the production going to come from? Felipe Hernandez, I think, is improving every week. He does seem to have a match fit. He does seem to have a fitness problem because he can't go 90. Um, He had that really bad cramp at the end of the last match. I don't know if you heard the podcast, Cody, but no. um, I, oh, you didn't. Oh, well, you missed out on a great story about Felipe uh, helping me out if I sp- spilled beer all over myself. Well, that I got to um, go back and listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so you didn't even know that we got Sperry on the podcast? And no, I didn't know that. You? Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was a little distracted, but I totally uh, hey, look, I it's totally okay. space listening to it, it's a, It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel Sperry came in and and uh, did a little uh, out of the bullpen kind of. What a guy! What a right hander out of the pen, so helped out for a little bit. Not the whole podcast, but for at least for a little bit. So, um, yeah, there's there's a good story in there about me um, spilling beer all over myself and completely missing Johnny's goal. And um, Felipe was <laughs> Felipe was helping me and threw me a towel from the bench to help clear it up. So, anyway. Um, Regardless, he is playing well, but he's had to come off in every match. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he's had some sort of thing that has made Peter think that he has to come off in every match. And um, I mean, in this one, it's a little different because Roger was only playing a half. So you wouldn't sub Roger off if you're bringing on Duke. So I understand that part of it. But yeah, I, I, I like. I liked a lot of the things I saw from him in this game. He's one of the few people that's doing the one touch one twos and releasing players. And that, um, that delivery that um, sweat got in to Roger was built off of a Felipe Hernandez play. So um, he's really good at getting to second balls. That's what I like too. He, he looks like full speed, 23 year old, 24 year old, however he is Roger. That's what he looks like to me, except he's um, a little bit more technical combining with his teammates yeah and he's a little bit more uh um deadly and dangerous in the attacking third i think he is but he also he always looks to pass yeah I I mean, that, and that's fine i mean it I, is but i also i mean he's his set piece delivery is really good he yeah. took a few set pieces in this game i saw that i almost want him to pull the trigger a little bit Unless he's going to, you know, unless he is baby Raj and he's just going to throw it in the 15th row, but I, I haven't seen him try. Yeah. And something tells me that he's better at it than you, you realize he is. And he's probably just, you know, he is the kid that's just coming back from suspension and trying to earn his place and all that stuff. So he's probably not trying to swing every time. Mm-hmm. But there have been circumstances where I'd like, I, look, let me put it this way. This team needs goals. 
let's just put some shots out there, man. Like we got to stop waiting for the perfect chance and start trying to get some messy goals. Yep. Like what's the worst case that happens? Hassal grab, you know, catches it. Um, the next worst case is it ricochets off him, and maybe you got some runners that can. Jump well, the on worst, it. the worst case when you take shots like that is that you you give up possession and a quick counterattack, and it, and so yeah, it gets blocked behind you. <laughs> you know, that's and, yeah, that's the and and so the I, know, I, say, I think that's probably why they don't. You know, they don't take more chances. If I were to guess uh, at a at a reason for it, it's just that you know the, the it's it's all about exercising control, um, and you know, and to that end, you know, you you uh, you mentioned um, you know the 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 quick one twos and and putting you know people into space, and those two those two elements specifically are are really what's missing right now, and um, the you know the quick the the quick play. Um, around especially the the um, the attacking third and then also you know just putting our dangerous players into space and you know I it, on the replay like time and time again I saw you know Vancouver initiating attacks and their players have tons of space and they're just dribbling you know into the attacking third and you know we have had a really hard time so far this season creating that kind of space uh, for our players. And, you know, that, you know, last year we were able to create that space for, for Daniel Shallowy, um on a regular basis. Um, and, and just, you know, it just seems like, it just seems like our players d- just don't have um, time and space to do anything. And, you know, I think a lot of that, um, as you already mentioned, comes down to, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we have new players and, and uh, we're kind of struggling to integrate them along with the inter- injuries. And, you know, I, I think the hope is that, is that, you know, they'll, you know, in, in the summer, they'll, you know, maybe sort of hit their form a little bit better and we'll be able to, to create more chances. But I mean, I think it's going to be slim pickings until then, because um, there's just not, there's just not a lot going on in terms of the attack. Yeah. I don't um, completely disagree with you. I, I, my concern then, and let's go back to the, to the Seattle comparison is what is the coach doing to put these guys in position to be more successful? Um, I will say that I it was when I watched the match live and then rewatched, especially the first half, the things they were trying did seem a little bit different. They weren't um, they weren't doing the same sort of, um, you know, basic kind of things. They were they were trying to play through the middle more than they had in the past. While the passing network shows kind of the the U shape, all the passes were between the back four. Mm-hmm. Um, the attempts to move the ball did include. Let me let me put it this way: guys were cutting in and trying to draw people to them, and then that was creating space. So I saw Felipe do this a number of times, where he would cut in to the right or cut towards the center. And then that would draw someone in and he could find Johnny in space on the right side of the box. Um, I saw just just more play in the midfield, whereas a lot of sporting's play, especially this season, but you know, we've seen it before, has been basically on the left touch line. That's where they try to they try to draw a bunch of people close 
And as soon as they've drawn enough people there, either they can play through that pressure and get someone behind, or they've got the ability to hit a long switch. And that's where Zussi runs onto a switch. And then he's in wide open space and can pick out a pass for Johnny or for someone running from the center forward position. I didn't see that as much in this match. They were definitely trying to play through the midfield a little bit more. They were also playing a lot more direct. Um, there were a lot more balls kind of, they were playing over the top a lot more, especially Melia from goal kicks and things like that. He was playing over the top a lot more. I wasn't seeing the center backs necessarily hitting those passes as much, but Melia definitely was. Um, there were a couple times that Kyrie got behind in this way, where he was like one V one with a center back. And, um, honestly got fouled at least three times doing it. None of which were called, but he, you know, there was a different way to, to, there was a different idea at play. Now this may have been specific to Vancouver and what their supposed deficiencies are, but there was at least a different attempt for trying to create some of these chances. But to your point earlier, if you're going to be a possession based team, you have to disorganize the opponent with the ball to create space. What they were doing last year was drawing the opponent in towards the ball so that there was space that they could exploit on the other side and then hitting those fast switches. They're not doing that this year. So you're right. They're not finding space. So my, my question to you is like, as you look at this and you're like, Hey, if I'm the coach of this team, these are the players I have, right? Kinda Pulido. They're on the shelf for the foreseeable future. The injury report says no one else is questionable. Everyone is available other than them. What do we, you know, what are the ways to, and we know the four, three, three is going to be the base setup. So what are the ways in the, in the principles of play that we could actually see something where the chance creation returns? Um, Well, I mean, I think the, the, the thing that they're trying to do in, in, you know, putting balls, you know, sort of, uh, over the top for uh, Shelton. You know, when when you have Shelton, you that's you know that's that's one thing that you can do to utilize that player that player's strengths. Um, and you know, I think that you know, I mean, he was also you know he's also been injured recently as well, um, and so that might have something to do with it. But you know, you the, the, you you also can't rely you know just on him because he's not going to create chances on his own, um, and He's he's very seldom going to you know receive the ball deep enough where he can you know get off a shot and so you have to have uh, you have to have players that he can play off of and I think that's what they're trying to do you know the 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 passing map that you referenced uh, you know Johnny Russell is playing you know really really um, um, deep almost into the midfield and pinched in and so you know essentially it's like a lopsided four four two you know, with Shallowy and, um, and Shelton up top. Um, and, and, you know, I can see, I can see maybe where, uh, Vermes might think that that would be a good idea, um, um, to kind of, you know, try and, you know, isolate Shelton over the top and then have him playing, um, you know, interchanging with Shallowy, but I don't, it's just not, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it's obviously not, not working right now, uh, whether it can work or not, I'm not sure. Um, and I think that one of the problems is when, you know, if you have, um, Johnny Russell pinching, uh, into the, into the midfield, dropping, dropping and pinching into the midfield is, you know, you take him out of space and, you know, he is, um, you know, he's probably the best one V one dribbler on the team. And, uh, and that's a weapon that, that, 
um, that you minimize when you, you know, tuck him into the midfield. And, um, and from everything that I saw, he was, he did not have uh, much of an impact. Uh, there were a couple, there were a couple times he got to the end line once and actually, instead of, you know, cutting in onto his foot, he actually used the feint to his power foot and cut down and got on the end line with his right foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, you know, Hassal saw it the whole way. Kyrie's making the right run there too. It's just Hassal saw it the whole way. So he's right there on the post and just picks up the pass as it comes across. Uh, so, I mean, it, we just need more of those at bats, right? Like that's the problem to your point is that, the opportunities for them to use their um, proficiencies successfully are limited. Yeah. They're just not getting enough at bats with those. Right. Um, It's just, I mean, it's opening day for baseball. So let's, let's use a little bit of a baseball analogy. Your batting average on that stuff. If it's, if, if it's even 300, that's fantastic. Right. You just, you, you need more swings to be able to get to a place where you're actually turning those into really high quality chances or legitimate goal scoring opportunities. I would highlight two things when you talk about that one, I think Johnny's pinching into the midfield because that is historically what Polito has done. And Kyrie, as much as the narrative from the club in preseason was, oh, Kyrie can do that. He's going to drop into midfield and combine. I ain't seen it yet. Um, no. it, it just ain't happening. Um, so if that's really, I don't know if that's, you know, subterfuge or what the hell it is, but wishful thinking it, is what, yeah. that <laughs> but that, that is not happening. And so I can understand you take someone who is strong on the ball, like a Johnny Russell, and you pull him in there because he can, you know, he can play from the top of the center circle and uh, dribble people and create space and then find a pass. That is something he's good at. That said, he's not, he's not, um, he's not a replacement for Polito in that regard. Cause Polito will do that, eliminate a player on a turn, and then he will hit a 20 yard dime to someone yeah. from there. And that's not Johnny's game. No. And well, I, there's, and just no, there's nobody on the field. So the second part I would highlight about that, he pinched in there. If he's going to pinch in and distribute, he's got to distribute. There were a grand total yeah. of zero passes between Kyrie Shelton and Johnny Russell yeah. in that game. That's a really big zero. problem. Yeah. I, I, I don't really, I, I mean, you got to find a way to get the forward line linking. Yep. And they're not right now. The, the the grand total of passes between Shallowy and Shelton were seven. Shelton to Shallowy three times, Shallowy to Shelton four times. Mm-hmm. So Shallowy, or excuse me, Kyrie Shelton had a grand total of seven passes either received or given between his two wingers. Yeah. I, I, that That's not, I'm sorry, it's not good. No, it's not good. And it's not, I mean, that that's always been part of my skepticism uh, with Shelton is that, you know, he, his, you know, he can, he can pass in the, in the middle third. Okay, fine. Um, he can do sort of, you know, the hold up play to an extent. Uh, uh, and he's good at dribbling, especially from the wing, but he's not an assist guy. You know, he's not a person who makes gen- uh, dangerous passes on a regular basis. And, um, and and you need that you need that player who's playing that number nine spot to do that, and that's 
Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, Polito is successful is Polito is, is a passing threat and a, and a shooting threat and a dribbling threat. And, you know, if you're, if you're, if you've eliminated two of those threats and you're only a threat to do one thing, it makes you really easy to defend as we've, you know, sort of discussed in the past. And so, um, um, so, so in the, the way, you know, like I said, in the, the way that you can use Shelton, right, to, to maximize um, his strengths and minimize his weaknesses is, is really, uh, is really to use him as a, just a more of a holdup type player and a second and, ball creator. Yeah, if you get, if, if yep. he's creating second balls, yeah, you do absolutely. have guys in absolutely. Felipe Hernandez. And if Voltaire is up there, yep. um, but, but you gotta, you gotta release those guys, you know? And, right. and, and that means that, you know, that means that, that, uh, Roselle or whoever's playing the six is going to have to stay back. And we've talked about that too. And, you know, even, even, the, even the passing map from, uh, from the Vancouver game shows the number six is being pretty far advanced. Um, and, um, you know, especially if that, if that player is not super involved in attack, then there's no point in having them play there's, such an advanced role. There's no involvement in attack. Yeah. So, so you're better off zero passes to anyone in the mid, anyone right. in front of him other than Felipe Hernandez. You're, yes. you're better off making, the, making that player Felipe, a default it. third center back in attack and, and letting yeah. the, the um, letting the fullbacks advance and add to the attack. So let, let me ask you that. Why do you think Vermees has pulled the fullbacks back and has tucked him in so much? I mean, I think that it's, it's because, uh, it, it's to limit counter shacking uh, chances, and well, but the but the opponent gets in space all the time anyway. I yeah, I know, that's because they're slow, man. I mean, <laughs> it's true. I mean, sweat not but, but that's sweat's what I'm not saying. winning like, any foot races, you know. Like if and, if you yeah, if you look at the whole thing, and obviously, guys, I understand this is not a visual medium. You're gonna have to go on MLS Soccer and look at the passing map yourself, but the the fullbacks are tucked in quite a bit their average position both of them is almost inside the edge of the 18 yeah so there's no width yeah that they're providing and then to your point the uri rosel the six is really flipping high yeah but is not connecting with the people and, in front and, of it and you could see during the game too you know lots of chances that you know vancouver um, got not not chances on goal, but chances um, to to advance the ball into the final third, just down the sideline. Right, they're just playing. Yeah. They're just you know getting someone free. They're playing the ball you know into space down um, down one of the sidelines to the corner flag, and they've got lots and lots and lots of space to 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 advance the ball there with with little to no. Um, 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 you know, that's the part. Defense. That's the part that's frustrating to me. Is like width has never been this team's issue. Yeah. In fact, they're one of the widest playing teams in the league for yeah. several years. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess I'll take your explanation. Is is like we're trying to eliminate counterattacks, but the thing is, is that when you're tucked in that narrowly, any team that plays in a in this in a three man back line like yeah. Vancouver does with yeah. wing backs is going to just fly down those edges against yeah. you. But then you, like, but then you have to, but then you just drop, you know, you just drop and contain and, 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 and they did that per, fairly them. well. It's yeah. I, like I said, at the hit, it's not like they gave Vancouver a ton of great chances. Yep. So the defensive, um, you know, management 
of those situations was good. I understand, you know, the 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 concern, right, is that you're seeing the the opponent in space. But in reality, the defenders were positioned correctly that so that they couldn't do anything with the space. Yeah. So from that perspective, I'm okay with it. The issue I have is that it's it's neutering the attack. It's yeah, it's 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 neutering the attack and and you know even defensively, you know, it's putting it's putting an awful lot on uh Isamat Marine too. You know, it's asking yeah. it's asking an awful lot. He had a lot of blocks. Yeah, and, he, and you know, and he, you know, he had a couple of times where he lost the ball too and had to scramble and and um and you know, keep uh, a, a good chance from uh, from from happening, um, but well, that's the it's back to the baseball analogy. If he has to do it ten times, yeah, he's to expect him to do it perfectly all ten times yeah. is rough. Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. Um. So yeah, I I don't want to be too negative about this. I'm well, just so, trying to think so of they, like what they, are the ways what are the ways that you can adapt with what you have here. First things first. I think Logan and Denbe at left back is going to improve some of these problems yeah. immediately because he is much more dynamic naturally yeah. than Ben Sweat is. And he's he, he's, he's and, able and willing to to advance the ball into the final third and even into the box on the dribble. And that is, I mean, that's a big deal. And he will make an honest recovery run every yeah, time. Absolutely. So both of those things, I, I would say that Sweat was about 50% at both of those things yeah. against Vancouver. I think part of it, too, and this is something I talked to Sperry about when they did the behind the shield at the end of the, um, um, damn it, who did we play? RSL, mm -hmm. the end of the RSL match at home. Um, he said that he was gassed. And part of it is because he's still com he's coming back from an ACL. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's ready to play 90 every week. No. Um, and it looked like it. Yeah, <laughs> um, he did make some better. He did make some better runs in the second half. I don't know if someone kind of got in his ass about it, but he did definitely make some better runs in the second half. But it just he, he, I saw him get on his horse and I'm like, this looks like this looks like left back Zussi. Yeah, they just don't they don't have it like yeah. and, and uh, I I've seen like the top speed stuff and apparently Zussi is still pretty fast at like top speed. But man, it looks like it takes a while for him to get there. Yeah, uh, visually. Right. The, the, it's, it's more the, it's more the fast twitch stuff where you can react quickly and mm -hmm. get on, get on your horse fast. That just doesn't look like it's there. And I, I, it doesn't seem to be there with sweat right now either. Um, so I do think that some of that stuff is involved, but the other issue that I had and, um, we'll, you know, we can go through the rundown a little bit here to, to discuss it is that it's, it's back to the same old story where Vermes sits way too long on the lineup on the field. Yeah. You can, I don't understand how he can have watched minutes 60 to 70 <laughs> of this match and thought that it was fine to just keep on going with what was out there. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Um, I understand his level of faith and trust in players and their ability to figure it out and do, and, and games do go in waves. So let's, let's put all of those things out there. Games go in waves. Sometimes, sometimes you're in a bad possession wave and the, the opponent's going to get some confidence and they're going to get some chances and they're just going to keep coming at you. And you just got to, you got to kind of just tread water in that circumstance and get through it. So there are game states, parts of this that I can understand, but man, it looked like a prime opportunity and you actually had guys on the bench for once. You have a Marinos Janis 
who just got off um, playing great for Cyprus, had an absolute golasso for them, and was brimming with confidence. <laughs> and um, you had guys in like Johnny Russell who looked a little bit tired. I mean, that one of the things that Sperry um, talked about when he was here last week was that Johnny and Roger and Zussi have been on like limited practice a little bit already to try and keep their legs fresh. And it's like, and I'll get, I mean, I'll give it to Peter for the pragmatism and the understanding that you have to do those things because the bench was getting pretty short. You don't have a ton of options. Bring on the 20 year old kid. Come on, man. I mean, mean, really? (laughs) You had two 20 year olds. Well, Cam Duke's 21 now, I think, isn't he? He needs right now. I think he just turned 21. You had two, you know, super young players on the bench that he did finally bring in after Vancouver scored. Yeah. But like, why is he two steps late with this every time? I think he just, you know, he's just uh, by nature a conservative coach. Um, and, uh, and, and because of that, he's just unwilling, I think, to give those guys, uh, a, a run out, um, until it's absolutely necessary. And so I think he, he would just prefer to give them 10 minutes, um, rather than, uh, what does minutes. that do? Can, can, can uh, help me out here? Because this is a part of the game that I don't <laughs> understand. You know more about soccer coaching than I do. I'm not saying either one of us has got a license in soccer coaching, but you know, significantly more about it than I do. I have a license what, actually, not a, not a high license, but I do have a right. license. <laughs> what does a 10 minute substitution do? Uh, man, what is the purpose of it? I don't know. Um, okay. So I, I'm not I, missing something. I, like, I'm totally on your side on this and I have been for a long, long time. That's my, it's one of my main gripes about, uh, about Burmese as a coach. And, um, and you know, it's, I, I think it, I think it limits the development that, um, that his players can have. I really do. And, um, yeah, you need to play for 25 minutes or half yeah, an hour to yeah. get a full feel of the game. Yeah. And, and you, you know, like, I under like it just it never seems to happen unless sporting's way down or way yeah. up. That's yeah. the only time that you see and by comparison, Vinny Sartini was making subs in the 60 61st minute. Well, wait, no, he brought on Cavallini for Ryan Gauld at like the 58th minute or something like yeah. that. And then um yeah, or excuse me, Cavallini came on for Brian White. And Brian White was coming back from an injury, so it makes sense that you would need yeah. you would have a plan in there. And then um then Baldissimo and Vite came out in the 69th minute for Berhalter and, and called. And like, as soon as Cavallini came on, their attack got better. Yep. You could tell that White was getting tired. He was having trouble getting to balls. They bring on Cavallini and immediately they start getting better chances. Yep. I mean, none of them were otherworldly chances. Sporting defended them well. There was a header Cavallini had on a cross that was like straight at Melia. None of them were like dangerous, super dangerous, but Cavallini had a free header about seven yards out from goal. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some people, that's a pretty dangerous chance. Well, and there are also Um, ways, subs are also a way to, to shift momentum, you know, and uh, even if, even if you're not creating, um, even if you're not creating goals with them, you can definitely use that extra little, you know, energy to swing the momentum in your way. Um, or, or, you know, make sure that the, that, that the ball stays on the other end of the field a little bit. 
Well, and this is the part that, I, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of in this circumstance. Sporting had already given up a number of, you know, half chances mm-hmm. over like a 10 minute span to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Then Vancouver brings on Baldissimo and Vite, who are both very solid players. And they just immediately snap another chance off between those two players who are fresh, who've just warmed up and they're just, they had all kinds of space. Um, and EC makes a nice block that blocks it off. But again, the whole, the whole goal for Vancouver is a uh, Raposo to Baldissimo who chips it in to Cavallini, right? Like it's all subs. Yeah. And who have energy this is, and, yeah, who are, and, and who are running at players who aren't subs. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. Playing the whole game. Who are, exactly. unlimited, who are on limited practice because they're already and, old and tired. And the thing that upsets me is as soon as Duke and um, uh, Janice finally come in, they all of a sudden rip off a couple shots. Yeah. Like, and it, it took like four minutes after the goal for the sub to finally happen. And this is the one thing that I would highlight on this because I remember marking it when I watched the match. It was about 62, 63 minutes. I actually even tweeted this at the time. Looks like it might be time for some subs. Like sporting <laughs> looks a little bit like they're losing the match a little bit. Might be time for some subs. And they showed a shot of the bench and freaking um, Voinovich, uh, Chanis, and um, Duke's jerseys are sitting on their seats ready. And they're off, obviously, warming up on the touchline. So their jerseys are out. They're, they, they were already considering this. And it wasn't until minute 77 that the sub actually happened. The subs actually happened. And I'm just like, you knew these guys were coming into the match. Yeah. Like I'm left to ask one of two things. One, it's just obstinates. And it's like, I'm going for the zero zero and I'm just going to try and grind this zero zero out as long as I can. Or there's something physically in the fitness numbers that they have that I just don't know about that says, no, these guys can't come on. But Voinovich just got done playing 90, 90, 60. And unless they're hiding something, he was obviously ready to play. Johnny's, yeah. yes, he got into Kansas City on like Tuesday. So come on, you telling me he can't play 20 minutes? Yeah. Please. Second, I mean, I just... Duke? Duke's been playing every damn match. Like, he's if, any of those every guys, match. if any of those guys had a last name... Of Zussi, they would have been playing regardless. Right. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't I don't want to spend too much time bagging on this, but it's just it's the uh, same it, old shit, man. Like is. we just keep having this conversation. Yeah. And it's just it just seems so obvious to me. Imagine right? if MLS like, imagine if MLS goes with uh with five subs like the EPL is talking about doing. I mean, you well, know. they do have five subs right now. Right, right, well, I five. mean, I just meant, I just meant like permanently. <laughs> yeah, they don't we use do them anyway. Right what difference does it make? It's, a, it's it's actually it's actually it's actually a disadvantage to Sporting if yeah. MLS were to go with that because he doesn't ever use them. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Even or three if he subs does, it's a in, disadvantage. If he does, it's in the eighty-sixth minute. Like, I, yeah. I understand using subs in that circumstance as a tactical move to slow the game down. Yeah, hundred percent. Get that completely. Right. But, if you're ahead. But when is sporting ever using subs to try and take a game? Yeah. And they used to do it. That's the part that frustrates me. The 2018. Remember when they'd bring out the four two four to try and chase a goal? Mm-hmm. You would bring out. You would bring Shelton on and go to the four two four and try to chase a goal, and they scored some goals that way. 
Yeah. They won some games that way. They went after games and tried to win them. It's just, it's not happening anymore. Yeah. And, and it's obviously I'm frustrated by it, but I just, it's just, I've seen it too many times and I'm just like, what is going on here that causes the coach to think that this was a good idea? And I don't know. I don't know Vermese at all. I don't know how he goes about his own personal review of how he coaches matches. I don't know any of those things. He's obviously fairly um, resistant to criticism in press conferences, <laughs> but um, I just, I don't, I don't know what his personal, like how he, how he does a personal review of his own performance, because that has to be a part of this. Like yeah. I'm not, again, I want to be abundantly clear about this. I'm not asking for, for, for Peter Vermees to go anywhere. I'm asking for him to adapt. There are so many things that he does for this club that are very helpful. He creates a climate and an environment that can be uh, the structure of which has been generally successful. But I would say that a couple things are relevant here. One, the last time sporting was legitimately in competition for silverware was 2018. The last time they won any was 2017. Mm -hmm. They haven't been close since then. And, and it looks like they're not going to be close this year. No, I mean, if, if early returns are any any indicator, yeah, yeah they're not going to be. Uh, I will say the same thing we said the the a couple of weeks ago, the last time we talked about this. I'm not like ringing alarm bells yet, but I want adaptation, right? Like, see the problem, fix the problem. Yeah, don't just go. Well, the problem exists because we haven't figured out what I want to do well enough yet. And then we just got to keep banging on the same drum over and over again. Yeah. I, the, the thing that I have noticed most is that sporting's opposition knows how to play them. They know how to take away what they want to do. They're vi like so many teams right now are selective pressing sporting. Mm -hmm. And it's the way to disorganize them. Yeah. Cause when they see the press, they know what to do. When they don't see the press, they know what to do. When you selective press, they get completely discombobulated, yeah. have no idea how to respond, and get like completely out of sorts. And it it's shutting their ability to move the ball down. Yeah. So you like we need to we need to see some adaptation, some changes in philosophy. It, the best coaches in the world adapt on the move. They have to because. Game film is out there. Everyone's figured out how you want to do certain things, and you've got to continue to evolve if you're going to be continuously successful. Okay, that's my rant. <laughs> I like it. Maybe, maybe maybe some substitutes before the 77th minute. That yeah. would be good great luck. Too. Good luck, Drew. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I just I don't understand what the point of that sub is. I don't like what is the point either. of waiting that long? Like what I don't understand what value it adds. I don't know, man. I don't know. I it's it's been a consistent frustration of mine for years, um, and uh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I think honestly, honestly, it's part of the reason why this club is in the position that it's in right now, and why you know why we don't have you know uh, a full bench of you know academy players instead of 
uh, that, that can play instead of, you know, having to release them a week before the season starts um, because they don't get chances, you know, and um, well, I, I don't I, know. The, the thing it, I would say, the, the only the only thing I would say there is Wilson Harris was never a fit for the system. Yeah, I will give, I'll, I'll give that. I'll give Vermes a pass on yeah. that one because Wilson Harris, the way he plays center forward yeah. just was never going to fit. He's a poacher. He's a, you know, Fox in the box kind of guy. And sporting doesn't create service to those players. Right. They just don't. It's not in the system at all. Um, so he was always going to struggle. Um, and he's at Louisville and scoring goals. Good for him. Um, the one that frustrates me is is Elie. Because there could have there were ways to structure that midfield around Elie to utilize his proficiencies and uh, and mask his deficiencies. And you see LAFC doing it. Yep. That one's frustrating. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and we could use his proficiencies quite a bit right now. Absolutely, we could. Um, but I, I, I just, I mean that that is a, uh, I mean that's not a substitution related thing so much as it's just a, it's it's a you know it's a system thing. The system is the star, and you know the the thing is though is that when things don't work, then you have to blame the system, right? Um, and that's you know. But then that's the coach, right? Yeah, the coach creates the system. Well, no, it's not the coach because it's the you know, the players haven't had enough time to work in the system, or we have too many player new players who don't have the system down, or I mean, too many injured players. Right? There's well, always, and that was something that was something shallowly highlighted in his interview as well, no. right? We've got these guys coming from Europe, and he's like, he's like a lot of, and this is a fair statement. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, in the interest of fairness on both sides of this argument, shallowly said he's like, look, it it takes a while to adapt to MLS and what the playing requirements are and adapt to this, to this system. Yeah. He's like, there are plenty of people that come over from Europe that are highly skilled, highly mm -hmm. touted players that spend a whole year struggling to figure it out. Yep. So it's reasonable to also say that, Hey, maybe, you know, we threw Chanice and Voinovich and Ndenbe into the deep end of the pool because of just, we had to, there were no other options. Um, well, so so when there when there are <laughs> options maybe you don't I, I don't know look man i, I, I mean there's all, a people management part are, of this where you don't are, are correct and they're fair but you know that that's why you don't have to bring in you know three new guys um you know into your complex system um and and try and get them up to speed so quickly that's why you you know instead of last year wasting last year with a with a bench full of guys you were going to end up cutting anyway and, and getting rid of it anyway that's why you you have players who you're actually playing and integrating into the system you know if you look at if you look at the you know the two systems that we you know most commonly compare um, compare this to uh, uh, the the Vermi system too, or you know our Pep system and Klopp systems, and and you know those guys don't bring in play new players, and they don't bring in three new players and then try and play them. Like it does, doesn't doesn't work like that. It takes a lot of players, you know, years to integrate into those uh, systems. Not everyone is Luis Diaz. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, did you read the thing that that like uh, some MLS team? Um, could have signed Luis Diaz a couple of years ago. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. Crazy. I actually made, I, I put a quote tweet out about it. I, I think it, first of all, it show this is going to be my quick diatribe. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that they limited the, the transfer fee to 2 million, that was all they would pay means they probably had three DPs. So they, they, it had, he had to be a TAM player. It's yeah. the only way that they were able to sign him. And so as a result, they were limited in transfer fee. 
And can I mean that guy? Well, I mean, at 19 still, but you we saw what he did in Portugal. Like he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So like you he would have shredded MLS for two years. <laughs> and then Ben, yeah, what what did Liverpool sign him for? 49 million euro or whatever it was? Like, holy shit, man, that would have been insane. Yeah. I, can you imagine Luis Diaz running at Graham Zusi? <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Kind of glad whoever was trying to pull that off didn't. Whoever, maybe it was sporting. I don't know. You never know. Um, but could have been. You never know. They go to South America a little yeah, bit. They, but um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a just a obvious um, failure I, I, of the MLS salary cap system in that circumstance. Yeah. Just my my whole point is that you know like I just this team has a lot of issues, right? And yes, there are things you know at play like new players and. Um, and injuries and those sort of things, but uh, so many, uh, and, and, you know, obviously the, the salary cap and the, and the small market status, all of those things play into it, but, but man, so many of this team's issues are, are, you know, self-induced and, you know, they, uh, they just seem to, to, to try to like, to tie their own hands behind their backs to, to try and fight. And it's the conservatism, the conservatism is becoming a problem. It's yeah. just this is all there is to it. And I think I think so the dogmatic think, too. It's like you know, yeah. just one system, one way, all the time, and and you know, when everybody else around you is sort of doesn't have those constraints and is free to innovate and and sign different kinds of players and and um, and take different kinds of chances in the way that they play um, it. And you, you, you're consciously sort of limiting yourself to, you know, playing, you know, one system, one way. Um, it, it, it makes you just predictable, and and it really means that it really decreases your margin for error. And 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 what we're learning this year is this team does not have much of a margin for error at all. And 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 Seattle, uh, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, Seattle does right, and and you know. It's not that they're that much different than than Sporting Kansas City, uh, but they their their whole structure is arranged uh, in a way that allows them to have you know sort of a flexibility and a durability that um, that right now Sporting Kansas City just doesn't have. I mean, Seattle trotted out a four two three one last night with Kellen Rowe at left back. Yeah, and looked like one of the best teams in MLS. Yeah. And I think that that's that's the stuff we're talking about is that when I understand the sort of lowering the floor, that's always kind of been the sporting mentality is make the floor or excuse me, raise the floor, raise raise the the floor, floor. raise the floor as high as possible so that you're always kind of at worst in, you know, a road playoff game at the end of the year. Right. And um that that's what the structure, the defined roles, the very specific architecture to what they're trying to accomplish is supposed to create is raising the floor to a level that you can't, you know, that the worst case scenario is X, Y, Z. The problem is that floor no longer is at the same level when you lose key players, right? Because you're so boxed into a very specific architecture that you no longer can adapt and at that point you end up with 2019 yep and what i'm concerned about is that we you know early returns sort of feel a little bit like that and i'm not saying that this is going to be 2019 and to be fair 
Sporting wasn't even eliminated from the playoffs that season to what the second to last game of the year. Yeah. So as bad as that season was, had they won the last two games, they would have got into the playoffs. So it's still MLS at the end of the day. It, yeah, it's still <laughs> it still is. So I don't want to be like all doom and gloom and act like there's no chances. And we saw C- we saw RSL get in on the last day and make it all the way to the conference championship game. Yeah. So there are obviously um, puts and takes to all of these arguments. Um, but I think that for those of us that want to watch interesting and fun soccer, it's not available to us right now. Mm-mm. It's a and blog. <laughs> that that's 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 a tough thing to do. I already watch too much Venezia as it is, man. Yeah. Like I don't want to watch it twice a week. <laughs> as up and down as Tottenham is, they're a damn fun soccer team to watch. <laughs> Even even you can't even you can't tell me they're not a damn fun soccer team. No, they, I right always now. think they're fun. I'll, I I I mean I the, the banter the banter is a key part of it. I, I, I yeah, I even watched them when Mourinho was there just just because yeah. the banter it's it's, it's yeah. just fun watching you know Spurs fans melt down on Twitter. It always well, it will never cease to be fun to me. Well, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, Liverpool is going to go back to where they were in the mid in the you know mid two thousands and maybe we'll be able. We'll be able to laugh at you a little bit, maybe. Um, but anyway, the the point of the matter is, is that we want we had a good taste of it for several years of sporting playing fun, interesting, well designed attacking soccer. Yeah, even last year. Not, yeah, last year was yeah. great. I, enjoy, was great. I mean, I mean, if without the injuries, it would have been a very good season. I mean, yeah. they almost won the damn conference last yeah. year. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't upset, but that's what I'm saying is I don't understand why there was such a significant change to the structure, other than you're trying to solve this transition defending problem, which in my opinion is more of a rest defense problem and not really a structure issue. I didn't really see that their issue to be like, oh, the structure has to be more compact to eliminate these changes. It was more like, no, you've got way too many guys pushed too high. You can't if if you get if you get to the point to where your last line of defense is in front of the opponent's uh, half, like past the center circle. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to give up those kinds of chances. It's just yeah. going to happen. Um, you can get away with pushing center backs up there if you have three of them. That is why so many teams use a back three. And here we go again no with comment. things that'll never happen. <laughs> that'll never happen. It's a yeah. waste. Of, it's a waste of our breath. Um, the one thing I will say is that I do think any chance of us seeing the back three took a big hit when Courtney Ford picked up a little bit of a knock. Although he is not on the injury list this week, so you know maybe there's some potential to see him play. I I was, as you know, very pleased with his play yeah. um, a couple weeks ago um, in that match against Chicago. That while they didn't play, they didn't win. He played fairly well. Um, well, but, so, okay, but, but 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 honestly, though, I mean, that's you know, instead of changing you know structure, I mean, that's one way to to improve your your you know counter get athletes that can recover. Right. So put them on the field. Yeah, before you know, without without Virgil Van Dyke, Liverpool is a different team, right? It's you know, it's having an athlete who can cover ground and and uh, and snuff out problems before they occur is a big deal. And that's why that's why we harp on and on about the number six is because you know having a player in that position who can uh, who can do that, you know, who can help snuff out counterattacks and or you know impact the attack is is a big deal. Um, and just right now, there's just, you know, there's not enough, th- th- there are a lot of sort of mismatch parts on this team. And, and at least at this point in the season, they're not, 
Um, they're not jiving with each other in a way that helps, you know, uh, so, accentuates positives and co and covers weaknesses. They, so they look this, they look terrible. I mean, let's they're just not a good team right now. They're just not. And and well, you know that doesn't see, that doesn't mean they can't be a good team, but they're just not. They're not. Yes, they're not. Uh, they're not enjoyable to watch, but they're also just not a good team. They don't play well together. Um, there's not a lot of cohesion and and um and rapport with one another on the field they're just kind of a mess honestly so uh, we'll see well, but they're, they're in there i'm going to give you the peter vermees response to that is well they haven't got to play together enough yet we need to trot out the same lineup for the next 10 matches so that they get that experience right yeah that, I, I mean honestly that's going to be his reaction to I it know. they need to build cohesion on the field that's where they get it yeah. um the Obviously, I'm being a little bit sarcastic and devil's advocate on that one. I just, um, I think that they're, you know, it, it's just, I don't want to keep feeling um, malaise <laughs> every time I watch them play, right? Like, that's my issue. Well, it's going to be um, a long season for you, Drew. Yeah, well, I mean, especially, we picked a great year to do this podcast. Yeah, right. So I got to watch, I got to watch these matches twice now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. For everyone listening, I promise you, we're being we're we're being sarcastic. We're joking about this. It's not it's not like we're upset that much about it. It's just more of a you know recognition of. Um, well, I mean, some, I, you know, some opportunities at, at, at the, the end of the day. I mean, we're fans. You know, we 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 like watching uh, a, a team that's entertaining. We like like watching a team that wins, and we like rooting for you know players you know to be successful and you know when you have a team that's just not not getting it done it's frustrating it's just really mm -hmm. frustrating and everybody you know everybody who listens the, to this podcast who's a sporting kansas city fans knows you know i assume everybody's as frustrated as we are because it sucks right it, you know we 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 want to be seattle we don't want to be you know inner miami right i mean that uh, well, hold on. I don't think we're there. <laughs> no, we're let's not. Be, let's be clear. That, that is not. That is not. No, we're not close we're, to we're being not, there. Not, at, not quite at that level yet. No. Um, and we and we won't be. I, I mean, because you know, I I fully still I I fully expect for the team to make the playoffs. I would be surprised if they didn't. Uh, I can. It's it's more clear now that that's a possibility than it was you know a couple of weeks ago. But uh, you know. I, Peter Vermes is still a very, very, very good coach and one of the best coaches in the league. And, you know, um, I, I expect to see the team make drastic improvements. Um, yeah. It's just right now they're like I said, it's just, they're not good and it's frustrating. My, my, like I said, my biggest positive is the fact that there is no one on the injury list other than Pulido and Kinda and, you know, whatever's going to happen with Jose Maori. Um, those are the only people that are on the, that are on the quote unquote injury list. Uh, Jose is not injured. He's just unavailable. Um, the word on that one is, is that they're, they're trying to figure out a mechanism to get him off the team that won't make them eat his salary cap charge. Yeah. That's, that's the main reason that he's still there, which I get it completely. In the meantime, he's cashing those checks. So I don't think he cares that much. No. Um, so quick Nashville preview. Um, yeah, if you were looking for some more positive positives in this podcast, I, I'm afraid that it's not. This is not going to be a bright, shiny pod. Um, let's see, what is Nashville really good at? Uh, they're dominant at set pieces. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, that's not something sporting is necessarily the greatest at defending. No, nope. um, 
They have a really organized defensive line that's hard to break down. Yeah. Okay. That's a bad matchup. Um, they have Hani Mukhtar. We do not. We don't have anyone like Hani Mukhtar. So, yeah, this, <laughs> this <laughs> the prospects on this one. What, um, what would Peter Vermes do with, with, if Hani Mukhtar was on the team? Like, I, I, I just, as a thought experiment, sometimes I like thinking about that. Like, where, what? He'd probably put him at striker, wouldn't he? He probably <laughs> I mean, would. I mean, he's an maybe, attacking yeah. midfielder. He's yeah. sort of a he winger. Could be false right? nine, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. False nine. False nine slash right wing is probably where you put him. Yeah. To be I was honest. thinking. I was thinking maybe on the wing. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, definitely not. Not in the midfield. Definitely not a number ten. <laughs> no. Well, and it's interesting because Vermees made this comment when um, he made the subs at halftime in the last match, and uh, Roger came on for uh, Uri, and he calls that left-sided midfielder a ten. Yep. I know, I and I've heard other. Um, I think Ali Trost has called him a ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Daniel Shallowy called Gadikinda a ten. Yep. during his interview, well, they um, play more like a ten him. than any other player on the field. That's for sure. I mean, they are, but that's that's not. I mean, they, no. they're not a ten. No, <laughs> um, I would I would submit that honestly, they're the, eight point um, five. 8.5 or <laughs> well actually halfway between a 10 8 and 10 is 9 yeah, that's I know. not what they are either. Uh, yeah yeah 8 8 plus i guess is the best way of describing uh-huh. him um i would say that you know the modern 10 is different you just don't see uh, a, a you know a roaming playmaker as much except on certain mls teams where they have like otherworldly south american ones and they use them like that right yeah. so that's Seattle why, honestly, that's probably that. one of the single most exciting things about this league is that you get you have those kind of players the number of south american tens yeah i mean because you don't see those players in uh in a lot of of other leagues uh, i know like three years ago you were making a big move to get papu gomez to dude, come to the sport I, I i i and you know what i don't hardly ever watch atalanta now that he's not with them i, mm-hmm. I love that dude I, I just love players like that you know and, and uh um and 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 Mukhtar fits the bill. I mean, obviously he's not a South American player, but um, you know he's um, it, you know those these are players that um, can create you know chances out of out of nothing, and and you need that when you're a counterattacking team. You need players who can um, who can who can be dynamic, you know, on their own or maybe with one or two partners uh, and create chances. And so I mean that's why that's why they're scary is because they don't they don't need a lot, right? They can take. They can mm-hmm. keep their the most of their team back. They can they can attack with you know four players and leave uh, the other six field players you know in a in a in in position to defend and and they get chances like, like that right. I mean um, you know in part because they're you know they're 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 attacking defenses that are uh, that are already unbalanced and they're really taking advantage advantage of transition moments and that's what makes them dangerous and and so that's something to look for. Uh, um, this weekend is, you know, what happens in those transition mo- moments? Because you know, you you can expect Sporting to have the the bulk of possessions instead of the home team, and and um, and you know, if, especially if uh, you know if the game wears on and Sporting doesn't score, um, you know, the the tendency for Sporting is to you know push forward, push forward, and you know for the center backs to get more and more involved in the attack and that's where when things get dangerous so it's just something to keep an eye on and um um 
and see if if we're able to to limit those uh, those transition moments. The thing that I found most interesting is the last couple of matches they actually played a three man back line. So um, for whatever reason, oh, I, I guess Walker was probably still at camp. Yeah, did they have to play a? Yeah, they had to play a match during the U.S. Women's National Team window, so that's why he wasn't in their last match against Columbus. But um, the last two matches they played, they played a three man back line. Um, and it they was played, really they like played three, that last three, year four, sometimes three. too. Yeah, did they? Yeah, yeah. the first three were the four four two that you're very familiar with that mm-hmm. they're in, um, the diamond basically. Um, but they um, they were in that three four three with uh, I think Mukhtar was no was he on like a left wing position? I think uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it might yes. be more like yeah, like, like a three four one two, but yeah. It, it, the the map I'm looking at the 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 um shows them as more of like a three four two one kind of like a um you know Chelsea type thing and that would make with, sense with, with, Leal, the, with Leal and yeah. Mukhtar in the in the pair yeah that's probably the closest thing you see to a ten in modern yeah like high high level modern football yep is the three four two one Chelsea does it with their dual tens yep those are those are wingers playing as tens yep. effectively. Um, although I wouldn't call Mason Mount a winger. I don't think that that he's really, he's more of a midfielder. He's, he's more of an eight plus to yeah. be completely honest. Um, but yeah, I, um, so this is why everybody gets mad at people when they talk about, you know, formations and stuff. It's everything, and, yeah, everything's like, fluid. And then well, the that's modern football. Yeah, it it has to be like, yeah. that's how you, that's how you create advantages against teams yeah. is that you you've got the, like, it, that's why man city is doing that. Like, like I said, I call it the front six amoeba. Yep. Any of those guys can rotate to any of those positions at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And the other guys know where to be. And it makes it so hard to defend. Yep. That, that's the point of it. It's like the fluidity and the change is what makes the defensive part of it so hard. Yeah. If everyone's got a rigid role and responsibility, it's a lot easier to defend. This is why you see this is right back to our original conversation yeah. about why sporting is not creating chances right now. The system is so rigid. It's predictable. And the roles, the roles are so specific that it's predictable and it's easy to get film on and figure it out. Yep. Um, and so some dynamism and some fluidity into what the, the the different players are doing is important. Uh, I'll go back a few games to the home opener. And I told you, I saw this like right in front of me, the, mm-hmm. um, the whole thing where I saw Zussi and Roger exchange hand signals flip and immediately they create an overload and a change Yep, when they did it. And that's the kind of stuff. And, and that was a little bit backyard, you know, street ball kind of stuff, but that's the kind of stuff that, that um, confuses an opponent defensively. Yeah, and allows you just that let that half second of space to um, create an advantage. And oh, right that's now, the kind of stuff that's hard to do with players that are brand new that you've hardly played with. Um, mm-hmm. And so it yeah. is. And that's where, like I said, I have to be. You know, I have to give the other side of the argument, which is some of these guys are so new; it's going to take a minute for them to, you know, get comfortable enough with their teammates to be able to make those kind of on the fly decisions that are a little bit outside the sets, you know, list of instructions that they have. Um, The good positive, like I said, injury report looks way better. So hopefully we'll see some, you know, multiple player more, you know, more than more than 12 players will play in this match. And and the the 12th one won't come on in the 78th minute. 
Um, we'll see. Maybe we're up three goals, and then all the subs come. Out. I don't know. They're, they're, then, we, our po- then our podcast list next week will be so boring. We won't. We won't know what to do. <laughs> oh, we can't. We can't complain the whole com- time. I don't know. Nothing to complain. Of. No, it'll be a happy podcast where we're talking about fun <laughs> soccer and fun things yeah, the club's doing. Absolutely. Versus versus this one. I'm 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 much. I would much rather be doing that. I agree. Um, uh, real quick, any any thoughts on the U.S. Men's National Team? They're going to Qatar. They get to play England on Black Friday. Apparently, according to MLS Buzz, that's going to be the most watched soccer match in the history of the world. I mean, um, <laughs> that would be great, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but okay, um, no, I'm excited for them. You know, I you know I know that the Costa Rica game was a little bit of a letdown, but. Um, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, the only thing that matters is that they qualified and uh, and they did so, you know, without Weston McKinney. And, um, um, you know, and I think that um, uh, I'm I'm super excited for this team. Um, I, I can't I wait. I, I don't want to play England, man. A lot of people are like, oh, it's going to be great to play England. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I watch Harry Kane yeah, on a regular they're, basis. They're pretty good. Our center backs have not seen a striker like him. This is true. Anywhere near him. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> um, so this is gonna be I mean But you know, but to be honest, and Phil this is Foden, like the, there's a there's a bunch of scary players for there, there, there definitely is, but um, you know, one thing that I and i I think I've mentioned this before, one thing that I really like about Berhalter that I don't think he gets enough credit for is that he is like his team is defensively sound like yes, and and yeah. I think that you know especially if they're able to trot out a first uh, a first choice lineup you know I mean I I don't know that they'll be England but you know they'll be hard to play against um, and that's really you know I mean I to you know, to a degree, that's that's the most you can ask for against, you know, elite teams is that you just want to be a complete pain in the butt to play against and not give up anything easy. And I don't I, and I think that this team can do that even against a team like England. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a game that's going to be a Tyler Adams special. Heck yeah, because um, he and that was one thing he was very good at in this last window was his defensive cover was insane. Yeah, he was everywhere. I he is not a net positive in attack and passing and progressive passing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's fine because he was everywhere. Yeah. Literally everywhere. And just to go back to the sporting Kansas city um, (laughs) uh, issue again, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of, we, you know, at the, at the present, we don't have a six that does anything especially well. Right. And that's, you know, if you have if you have a guy who can like cover ground and snuff out chances, you can build around that, right? If you have a guy who can who can hit long diagonals and really add in the tech, you can build around that. But right now, we just you know we just have you know a a, a completely I, I don't want to say mediocre, but yeah, mediocre and just an average player in all respects in that spot. And you know, it's it's a very difficult spot to have a player like that in uh, in this uh, in this system, um, and we've talked about how you know the two the Berhalter system and Vermi system have a lot of similarities, and you know um, um, that that's the reason why you, know, you don't see um, you don't see the the team have the same success and the and the and the same ceiling when someone other than Tyler Adams plays in that spot. Yeah, Kellen Acosta has had moments. Yeah, and I'm not He's a good opposed, player. I'm not opposed to him being the backup, mm-hmm. right? I think that's perfectly, 
you know, serviceable. You're, you, it's rare that when you have someone like Tyler Adams that you would have one exactly like him behind it, right? Like, you know, that's just, especially in a national team, mm-hmm. that's extremely difficult. Um, but I think that um, when we go back to sporting, I think the, the problem is they're boxed into a corner. They don't really, the, the with the whole Maori situation, um, you don't have any options. Yeah, Uri Rosell is it. Um, I will hesitate to make declarative statements about how good or he is or is not because he's played 135 minutes. Yeah, not even that. No, he played what 50 minutes in the first match, so he's barely played 90 minutes. I I don't. I, I'm, I'm well, going to avoid state, that. My he, statement he, is he also was, based upon uh, you know the player that he was when he, he was in Orlando. All, I mean, he's just, right, and you know, and, 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 yes, and in Orlando, and he's just you know. It's a good player. It's not a dynamic player. And that's, you know, right now the team just does not have enough dynamic players. That was the part of it during the preseason when everyone was like, well, he's such a good fit because he knows the system. And I'm like, the system he played in is nothing like what they're playing now. No. Like the system he played in is this shit, this fucking sit back and, um, you know, don't give up too many good chances and hope you break through once. Just press the hell out of teams and kick them in the shins. And yeah. Well, they're not even really doing that. No, but I mean, they weren't pressing Vancouver. No, I mean, no, no. I were, mean, I mean, before back in, yeah, back in 2013. But, but, but that's what I'm saying. The defensive midfielder's role on that team was not being a progressive yeah. passer or driving no, the attack. No, not at all. That, that, that wasn't what the role of that, of the defensive midfielder was in that system. There was, so there like, was, oh, yeah, there he was, knows the 4 3 3. It's fine. Like, there was really totally nothing progressive about that team in the soccer that yeah. he played. <laughs> oh, <laughs> by the way, Aurelian's back this week. For, yeah. um, he's the person they're honoring at the match. By the way. He's I hope he's wearing, retired. I hope he's wearing Capri. And and <laughs> well, it's gonna be pretty. Yeah, it's pretty with no cold. socks on. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little chilly. So yeah. I mean, I think because uh, it's like seven thirty kickoff, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a little chilly. But um, I just yeah, I I don't know about Uri. I, I'm trying not to be too negative about him. I think that there's some opportunity for him to improve and build. And uh, I don't know that I, I'm not as down on his potential as maybe you are but also i don't have any other choice so yeah. i'm trying to be positive about I, it I, I i am i'm just down on the squad production uh the squad construction uh overall i don't think he's a bad player but i think given the you know just like i don't i didn't think Ilya was a bad player but just given the you know the position and the and the the way that you know the squad is constructed around them i just think you need a little something different you know from that uh, well, this is the frustrating part about this. Felipe Hernandez would be a perfect person to have in the midfield next to Elie. Yeah. He's got defensive. He, he understands how to defend. Mm-hmm. He can rotate back. He played the six a bunch for the twos and Swill Park Rangers. Yeah. Uh, this is a man that has all of that stuff. And yeah, I mean, granted, he I understand all the situation with his stuff and whatnot, but I don't know. I understand the salary implications too with Elie. That that was the main reason he was let go. You couldn't keep yep. paying him a million dollars a year. Um, and I don't know what LA signed him for. I'll be very interested when they do the. It'll be in a couple weeks. They'll do the first salary drop mm-hmm. of the year. That'll be a fun one to look at and see how much is Elie making in LA. And if he's still making eight nine hundred grand, I sort of understand it. He's not. I guarantee you, he's not. I would be shocked if he was. I'm gonna compare his salary to Uri's. 
that's going to be that's going to be some content for the pod. It may not that we may need some alcohol for that one because I don't know how well that's going to go. Yeah. Um, OK, well. Sorry if it was a little bit negative for all of you listening. I, I didn't really mean it to be that way. I just think that, you know, we're trying to analyze what we see. And sometimes it's, you know, we don't like what we see that yeah. much. We're um, allowed to be and, negative. It's our podcast. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we're the ones recording it. You want about, you, you want, want a positive podcast? Go record your own positivity. There are other podcasts that you can listen to that are not this one. Or you and if either if anybody who follows us on Twitter, you probably know that you know this is this was bound to happen. So yeah, there was gonna it. be there was gonna be one where we just got right into the depths of despair. <laughs> it wasn't even that bad. We can get a lot worse. So yeah, well that's true. I'm trying to I'm trying to be at least the somewhat both sides ish about some of this stuff. It, that's um, easy to do because you know in MLS most it's easy to make the playoffs. So you're in it for most of the season. So, yeah. you know, we'll be, we'll be, we'll, we'll, we'll have silver linings for almost the, uh, the you know, what's going to happen. They're going to smack Nashville in the mouth this weekend. And we're yeah. gonna look really stupid. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's MLS. That's, <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> well, and Nashville's, I mean, you might look at them in the standings and go, they're not that far ahead of sporting, but that's also because they still haven't played a home game. So their new stadium doesn't open for a yeah. couple weeks yet. Yeah. Right. So, um, they, uh, yeah, they're in their sixth road game in a row. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I actually, I actually um, have a lot of respect for how Nashville plays. Me too. They're uh, very organized, and they 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 know what they want to do, and they and they and they execute it. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, but you know that there are people in Nashville who are like, "Oh, this is you know." Regressive soccer playing against the ball all the time, blah, 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 blah. Well, so. they've got two games with their XG above one. But we only have one. So, you know, who's the regressive team now? Yeah. yeah. The grass is always greener, you know. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see how the match goes. Um, maybe I'll have another fun story about spilling beer all over my lap or something that'll make the next podcast more fun. All right. Um, otherwise, um, until next time, he's Cody. I'm Drew. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye bye. Start doing that. Start doing that. Start doing that.